you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter number 19. Acts chapter number 19. Uh, we'll start where we, we left off last week. Uh, last week, we left Paul in Ephesus. And uh, he is there. He has returned like he said he would return. And uh, he begins ministry. He begins ministry here. And he spends longer in Ephesus than, than really he did in anywhere on his missionary journeys. Uh, uh, spent longer in the in the uh, uh, the synagogues there, spending time in the synagogues there with the Jews and 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 confronting them and 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 trying to reason with them and sharing the gospel with them. And uh, what we want to do tonight, we're going to take uh, just uh, about ten or eleven verses tonight and and look at a a great bunch of snapshots, if you will, a bunch of different pictures of ministry, real authentic ministry. Uh, I titled the lesson tonight, Marks of Real Ministry. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas and a lot of opinions of what church should do and what church should be involved in and uh, what church should be accomplished. And, and I'm afraid in the modern day that we're living in today that, that many churches have gotten sidetracked on secondary issues that's not, uh, I don't want to say they're not important because anytime you try to bless and encourage and help somebody, that's important. But a lot of times we've missed doing the most important thing by getting sidetracked with secondary issues. And uh, we're going to see several different marks of real, authentic uh, ministry here with the Apostle Paul. So let's just jump right in here. Acts chapter number 19. And we'll begin in verse number 8. Acts chapter 19 in verse number 8. <clears throat> As I said, we left Paul in Ephesus he, he does his normal thing. He goes to the synagogue first. That's the first place he always goes uh, uh, to begin sharing the gospel uh, with his, his Jewish brethren. And uh, now, here's where we're at in verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months. Now, if you remember, if you've been following along with us throughout the book of Acts, you'll, you'll remember that usually uh, he only lasts for a couple weeks because by that time he's done made everybody mad and they've thrown him out. Uh, but he is, he has been able to last a lot longer here in Ephesus than normal. So he is spending three months here, uh, uh, spending time in the synagogues with the Jews. It says disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. So he's, he's taking the word of God, the scripture, and, and the word disputing here uh, is not necessarily just for the sake of argument or arguing. It means to dialogue. Uh, he's asking questions and answering questions, and he's teaching, and he's giving information, and he's allowing them to discuss what he's talking about. And he's using the word to persuade many of who God is and the gospel and what Jesus has done. But it says, but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way. And when you, when you, you'll, you'll see this uh, several times, the way or that way, it's talking about Christianity. It's talking about the belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel said they spake evil of that way before the multitude. He departed from them and separated the disciples in other words, all of the believers that had trusted in Jesus and had turned their life over to Jesus, he took them out of the synagogue and he found another place to meet. Uh, we find this as a teacher in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelled in Asia heard the word. Amazing. They heard the word. 
of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the Bagalon Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and the chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on all them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed showing their deeds, Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them all before the men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, if you're following along, read this verse with me, verse number 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Say it again. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what it's all about. The word of God. So let's pray and we'll jump in these. I think I got, I don't know, five or six points here and we'll, we'll go fast through them and uh, see what we can find out about authentic, real, genuine ministry tonight. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful, so thankful for your love and your mercy Lord, we're thankful for your word that we can take and spend time in tonight and, and we can grow and develop. And Lord, you, you, you have been so kind to us and you have blessed us throughout this whole ordeal. And I am so grateful for that. Lord, I pray that you'll forgive me for being impatient and frustrated and, 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 and Lord, just some of the, some of the uh, 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 thoughts of my head. Lord, forgive me. Help me to be patient. Lord, help me to uh, 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 just trust you and trust in your timing and do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. I pray that you'll bless us now tonight. Lord, give us your word. Speak to our hearts. Lord, we don't want to just know information and we don't want to just gain uh, 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 knowledge tonight. I pray that you will give us knowledge and wisdom. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, encourage us, edify, lift up those that are discouraged, Lord. Lift up those who are broken. I pray that you'll heal all those who are in desperate need of healing. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Now we're just going to we're just going to start in verse number 8 and just break it down little by little, little by little and just take different like we said, different snapshots of ministry. What should authentic real ministry look like? If we're going to do it the right way, if it's, if it's going to be a part of Temple Baptist Church, what will we see? What evidences, what marks, what uh, 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 what kind of what kind of things will you notice and see in real authentic ministry? Well, the first thing, the first thing is the number one thing. It is a commitment in ministry. Now, wh where are we going with this word commitment? What were they committed to? What were they committed to? If you'll look in verse number eight, the Bible says this, and he went into the synagogue 
and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to jump to verse number 20, all right? I'm going to jump to verse number 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So, so what do we see a commitment to? Bold preaching and teaching of God's word. Now, let me say that again. Bold preaching. I mean, courageous, courageous, brave. Doesn't matter what the world thinks. Doesn't matter the blowback. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what the consequences are. Boldly standing and proclaiming, preaching, and teaching the word of God. That was number one. That was a priority. That is what the church should be doing. Number one, most important thing is the declaration, proclamation, listen, the development of God's word in the minds of people. Now, let me show you something. In Mark chapter number 16, verse 14, it says, and he said, now this is, this is Jesus. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. This is the apostles. If you'll remember back in chapter number 6, several, several, several weeks ago, uh, we said the church was busy, the church was growing and going and, and bustling, and, 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 and they were trying to feed the, the widows, and they were doing all of this, and there come a controversy. There come a controversy, and, and some of the widows were being neglected, and so there was a little bit of a fuss going on. And, and the, the apostles, they said, look, look, our most important priority is not serving tables. Our most important priority is the ministry of the word. He said, you pick seven men among you and you handle that business. But our job, our responsibility, our priority, the, the most important thing we could do is give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. The ministry of the word. That is priority. That is number one. That is the most important thing. Let me, let me tell you something. <clears throat> if, you see, if you see weak people in the pews, that's because there's a weak person in the pulpit. If there, is, if there is malnutrition coming from the pulpit, if the word of God is not being taught, if the meat of the word is not being developed, the people will be undernourished and they'll be underdeveloped. It is so important. What did, what, what, when, when Jesus got Peter, when Jesus got Peter and questioned him, ready to send him off and on, on, for the Great Commission, when he, you remember when he met him on the side of the bank, what did he say? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? What did he say? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? He's asking him three times and commanding him three times and telling him the most important thing, Peter, you can do is feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So they're committed to the preaching and teaching of God's word. What did Paul tell Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God. I mean, he's, he's laying the smack down on, on Timothy. He has given him basically uh, uh, the last thing that he's going to be able to tell Timothy before Paul checks on out of here. And this is what he says. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead that is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering. And doctrine. Do you reckon that was important to Paul? Preach the word. 
Your most important priority is the delivery, the proclamation, the preaching, and the teaching of God's word. 1 Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy 3.15. But if I tarry long, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is, watch this, watch this, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, what is the truth? According to the Lord Jesus, he said, thy word is truth. This is the truth. The church is the pillar and ground. We hold the truth toward a wicked and a dying world. We are to deliver and preach and teach the truth. Paul was committed. He was committed in ministry. And if we're going to have authentic ministry, it starts with the word. It begins with a priority in God's word. We cannot have weak preaching and teaching. We cannot have it watered down. We cannot, listen, it has got to be strong and it's got to be deep and it's got, listen, it can't be just a milk ministry. It's got to be a meat ministry too. And Paul was committed to the truth. He was committed to the word. He was preaching God's word, preaching about the kingdom, preaching about living. Acts chapter 2 said that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So important that we are committed to the word of God. Number two, let me, let me hurry because we, we'll run out of time. Dear Lord, I took too long on that one. Number one, it's important. It don't matter about how long I took on it. That's important. The word is the most important. We see the commitment in ministry number two. We see conflict in the ministry. We see conflict in the ministry. Look what it says. Paul's committed. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's developing truth. He's dialoguing with people. Uh, he's, he's, He's serving them the word of God. He is preaching. And it says, but when divers were hardened. Divers means different. When different folks in the synagogue. It says they were hardened. They were hardened. Now, what, what does that mean? Uh, if you, if you, especially here lately, some of y'all, some of you guys are doing your gardens and all that stuff, uh, and, and, and you've been raking and you've been working and, 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 and you, 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 you're finding yourself with, with calluses on them hands. You know, you got things rubbing across that hand and, and constantly, constantly, uh, going across the hand and you develop calluses and calluses, uh, is hardened skin. And, and, and this is, this is what happens. Our hearts get callous. When you keep, when you keep being presented with truth, and the preacher stands and delivers truth, and you keep rejecting it. That causes friction, all right? And you keep saying no, and you keep not believing, choosing to, to disregard the truth, and the Holy Spirit's wooing you, and the Holy Spirit's convicting you and convincing you, and you keep saying no, and you keep putting it off, and you keep procrastinating what you know God is telling you to do. Every time you do it, your heart gets a little harder and a little harder and a little harder and a little harder to the point that it has no feeling whatsoever. You can stick a needle right in a callus and it won't hurt. It won't hurt a bit. Listen, people have gotten beyond feelings and the the Holy Spirit can't touch them and can't. They don't feel conviction anymore. Listen, where does hardening come from? It comes from procrastination. It comes from denial. It comes from unbelief. 
And look what happens. Look what happens. The Bible says there were several that became hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way. Spake evil of that way. In other words, when, when they kept denying and they kept rejecting and they kept procrastinating and they kept staying in a state of unbelief, then they turned and not just saying, I don't believe you. Now they're being antagonistic. Now they're being uh, uh, viciously attacking Christianity and the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Now, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write here. Now, remember, we have commitment in the ministry, commitment to the preaching and teaching of God's word. Right. But then we see conflict in ministry. Conflict to me. So preacher, I tell you, our church has had so much conflict. That might mean you're doing right. Now that, that could mean that some of you need to get your hearts right and you need to get in the will of God. But, but many times a, a church will go through conflict because they're doing right. Because they're doing what they're supposed to do. You're not going to be a friend. Jesus said if they hated me, they're going to hate you. All right? So there's conflict here. Now here, here's what I want you to write down. A, there's a sad reality. Write that down. There's a sad reality. Now where, now, where do we find that? Verse number nine. Verse number nine. <clears throat> well, actually, if you go to verse eight, he's disputing and persuading. Now, if he's persuading, that means there's some believing. And we'll see that at the end, at the end of verse nine. So some are believing. Some are placing their faith in the Lord Jesus. But watch this, verse nine. But when divers or different ones were hardened and believed not. Believed not. What's the sad reality of ministry? You're not going to save everybody. You're just not going to save everybody. That has probably been one of the hardest realities that I've had to deal with and I've had to face as a pastor when it comes to every aspect of ministry. Every marriage, every relationship, every friendship, every physical issue, uh, everybody's not going to be healed. Everybody's not going to be fixed. Every relationship's not going to be put back together. Everybody's not going to believe. You could stand in this pulpit and listen, beg and plead and, and pour your heart out and cry crocodile tears and just give everything you've got and beg people to get saved. And people will still not believe. Ministry's tough to the point that, it, listen, if Jesus didn't fix everybody, you're not going to fix everybody. In ministry, the hardest thing, the hardest thing sometimes is to see people who you say, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to believe. This is what, how you need to, these are the steps you need to take. And you know they turn around and go the opposite direction. That's the sad reality of real, authentic ministry is that there's going to be some people that's just going to choose not to go the way God is leading to go. They believe not and they spake evil. Then I want you to see this in that same vein in the conflict in ministry. There's a sad reality, but number B letter B, there is a specific response. There is a specific response. And I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to read some extra material on this point. So you don't get confused in what I'm trying to say. We see, another, we see another instance of where Paul separated himself. Now look in, look in verse number 9. 
Now watch what happened when they begin to rebuke and they begin to speak evil of Christ and evil of the way, the, the, the way of the gospel. The Bible says, when they believe not, but speak evil of that way before the multitude. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. He departed. He departed. Do you get that? Paul stopped. He departed from them and separated the disciples. In other words, he took all of those in the synagogue that chose to believe and those that received Christ and, and those that placed their faith in the Lord Jesus. He took them aside and separated them from the crowd that was antagonistic, the crowd that was choosing not to believe, choosing to blaspheme, choosing to reject and rebel against the truth of God's word. And he, he departed and separated. Now say that with me. He departed and separated. Now, here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to get. We see another instance. We see another instance where Paul does, he, he, he did this back in chapter 13. If you'll remember chapter number 13, it says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, uh, Acts 13, 45, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Watch this. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. What did he do? He separated himself. He departed from the Jews that he was trying to reach. He departed from his, his brethren, his own kind, his kinship. He turned from them and he separated himself to people who would choose to believe. Now, what verse do I want to, I want to give you on this? Jesus made a, a, a clear statement, a clear statement on this. He says in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, in verse number 6, he says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now, let me say this. Dogs were seen differently in Paul's day than they were and in Jesus' day than they are today. Now today, they're man's best friend. Uh, I've got a little buddy at home that I, I love to, 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 to uh, uh, go hunting with and have a good time with. I'll turn around a pen and she'll run around, put her head right on my, my lap and let me pet her. And she's just lovable. And that, that was not, that's not the picture I want you to have in your head. That's, they were not domesticated in that way back then. They were more as scavengers. They were more wild and, 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 and they would come in and scavenge and they would, they would bite you. They were, they were mean. Uh, uh, they were vicious in, in that way. And, and what he is saying here, uh, there were different sacrifices in the temple. Some would be a complete uh, uh, sacrifice unto God that was burnt up to God. Uh, some, uh, there would be meat that the, the, the high priest would take and use and, and, and eat on. Some that the families who brought the sacrifice would take and use and partake of. But the holiest of all was that that was committed to God. And what Jesus is saying, don't take that which is holy and you wouldn't throw it to dogs. You wouldn't throw it to mongrels. You wouldn't throw it to scavengers. And we all know, we all know what swine was seen as. Uh, swine were unclean animals. And, 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 and there again, there, he's not talking about the domesticated swine. 
because uh, Jewish people did not domesticate swine. They didn't have hog pens as we see it uh, 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 in, in, in modern day like we have today. It would be the wild scavenging. Uh, and when he says they will turn and rend you, if you get in between a scavenger dog or a, a scavenger swine, hog, wild boar, whatever it might be, and, and you get in between them and their food, they'll, they'll hurt you, they'll injure you. And that's what Jesus is saying. But he's using a spiritual aspect. He's using a spiritual aspect, and he's talking about when people reject you, when people turn their, uh, uh, when you try to share the gospel with them, and they reject you at some point, at a certain point, that you don't keep casting what's valuable, you don't keep casting what's precious and holy to people who reject it. Now, let me, let me explain and, 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 and give you some more information about that verse in Matthew 7. Jesus' point is that certain truths and blessings of our faith are not to be shared with people who are totally antagonistic to the things of God. Such people are spiritual dogs and swine who have no appreciation for that which is holy and righteous. They will take that which is holy, the pearls, and the rarest and most valuable of jewels of God's word. They will take the pearls of God's word as foolishness and as an insult. Dogs and swine represent those who, because of their great perversity and ungodliness, refuse to have anything to do with the holy and the precious things of God except to trample them under their feet and turn to tear God's people to pieces. What does that mean? What does that mean in ministry? In ministry, in witnessing, in soul winning, in mission work, there will be times when the gospel we present is absolutely rejected and ridiculed. And we make the judgment to turn away and speak no more, deciding that we should shake off the dust of our feet and begin ministering somewhere else. There will be times when those to whom we witness will resist the gospel and blaspheme God, and we may speak words of judgment. Like Paul, we must then say, in effect, your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I shall go to the Gentiles. We just read that a while ago. When people not only reject the gospel but insist on mocking and reviling it, we are not to waste God's holy word and the precious pearls of his truth in a futile and frustrating attempt to win them. We are to leave them to the Lord, trusting that somehow his spirit can penetrate their hearts as he apparently did with some of those who at first rejected the preaching of Paul and the other apostles or leaving them to the just judgment of God. Now, what's the point? Sometimes there's going to be conflict to the point people will reject the word. Now, does that mean that we give up praying for people we love? No, that's not what that means. Does that mean that uh, we we, we witness to somebody and they say no the first time that, okay, we're washing our hands of that? That's not what that means. What it's meaning is that we cannot waste time on people that are constantly, constantly rejecting when there are people over here that have yet to hear the gospel and want to be saved. I, I, I use this illustration all the time. And, and I know it's, it's, it's kind of a carnal illustration. It has to do with fishing, but we're fishers of men, so you just take it as you will. Uh, 
Mr. John Wilburn took me fishing one time, and and uh, and 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 he 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 is a type. Uh, he's not going to listen. We, we we pull up to a point, and we'll cast a few few times a little bit, and fish, 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 and boom, we're cranking that motor up, and we're going again. And uh, and 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 I wasn't used to that. I was used to just tr- turning the motor off and just trolling down the bank till you run out of bank, and just here we go. And uh, and I said, man, why are we moving so much? He said, if they're not biting here. They're biting somewhere. In one of these spots, one of these points, we're going to land and they're going to be biting. Now, now how do we apply that? Listen, don't get so caught up and so broke down and so beat up because you keep going to somebody that keeps rejecting you and keeps breaking you down and keeps, listen, quit casting your pearls before swine because there's people out there that are genuine and they're hungry and they're seeking and they're waiting for the truth that you have to offer them. When they begin to reject Paul and they begin to blaspheme and they begin to speak evil of the way, Paul departed. He departed. And he separated the disciples to be able to disciple them in the school of Tyrannus. Listen, let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're not going to fix everybody. You're not going to save everybody. Everybody's not going to believe your preaching. Everybody's not going to believe your teaching. Everybody's not going to believe your witness. There's going to be some people that we, in DMD we have we have my stories. Uh, we have little little uh, 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 tracks, if you will, that's got our story on it. And there's been times. There's been time. I told you before. Told a story when I was at the barber shop and the and the Seventh Day Adventist fella uh, began to mock me and 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 say something smart and in my flesh. I, anyway, anyway, it, it just you're not always. It's not always going to be received. But guess what? The very next day or the very next moment, somebody will be sitting there and they will hear it and they'll believe and they'll trust. So sometimes you just got to move on and trust that person, trust that rejecter to the Holy Spirit and let God do what God only can do. So we see a sad reality and a specific response. Just keep keeping on. Don't, don't get hung up in an area where, you're, where you're, you're being, your, your, your efforts are being wasted and your, your, uh, uh, your truth is being disregarded. Number three, we see the confirmation in ministry. The confirmation in ministry right after the conflict. And I like the way this is, I like the way this is laid out because sometimes conflict will cause you to get discouraged, right? Conflict will cause you to want to quit. Sometimes when you run into a barrier or run into an obstacle or run into an issue, it man, it gets you frustrated and, and, and you want to just, sometimes you want to throw, I do anyway, I'll, I'll be honest with you, yesterday I was in a bad way because I was in a bad mood. I was angry. I was upset. I'm not real happy now about it, but you just get to that place. You just want to, when that conflict comes, right after the conflict, right after the conflict, and it's happened in the other chapters in the book of Acts, God comes right behind it with confirmation. Where, where, Where do we see that? Look at the next verse. Verse number 10. And this continued by the space of two years, So that all they which dwelled in Asia, what happened? They heard the word. They heard the word. Why? He stayed committed. He stayed two years, kept on preaching, kept on teaching, separated from those who chose not to believe and they rejected and rebelled. And he, listen, he just kept on uh, teaching his disciples, the believers. He kept on investing in them. He kept on developing them. And, And as he won them, and trained them, they went out into all Asia 
so that all Asia heard the word. Watch this right here. Watch this right here. This is cool. It says that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now watch what happens. Verse 11. Here's the confirmation. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Watch this. Watch what happened. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. All right, y'all get that? Verse 11 and 12, what happened? God, God allowed certain miracles. God confirmed Paul's ministry and Paul's message with the miracles. Now, remember, remember, we've done covered this, and I don't want to spend too much time because I'm already done gone too long on the points I've made. But you got to understand the purpose of miracles. God did not perform miracles for just the sake of somebody being hurt and he didn't want them to hurt no more. God's purpose for miracles was always, always for the authentication. All right? Authentication. Proving evidence without a shadow of a doubt. Two things. Two things. Write these two things down. We see confirmation in ministry. God allowed the miracles. All right? For the confirmation of God's messenger. Okay, the confirmation of God's messenger and the confirmation of the gospel message. Okay, those two things, confirmation of God's messenger and confirmation of the gospel message. Now, what are we saying? In all in all of the history of the world, you hear me? All of the history of the world, there were only three times that God did supernatural miracles with man here on this earth. The time of Moses and Joshua, the time of Elijah and Elisha, and the time of Jesus and the apostles. In all three situations, I wish I had the time to go into the specific verses for those different issues and, and times, but in every single, ish, every single time, every single period, in Moses and Joshua, in Elijah and Elisha, and Jesus and the apostles, every single time, it was to authenticate and prove that, in other words, let me just put it in simple language. You need to listen to Paul because he is God's man. He is God's man. What did, what did, what did Nicodemus, what did Nicodemus, when, when he came to Jesus, what, what did he say? You remember John chapter number three? What did he say to Jesus? He said, listen, nobody can do the things that thou doest unless God be with him. You know what? You know why Nicodemus came to Jesus? You know why he knew he was different? You know why he was set apart from any other rabbi or any other teacher, any other person that's come along on this planet? Because nobody could do what he did without the power of God on him. And so what do we see here in the time of the apostles? You got to keep that. Here in the time of the apostles, God did certain miracles to confirm the gospel message and confirm God's messenger. In other words, listen to Paul. He's from God. Now, now why is that so important? This city was full of the occult. This city was full of religious teachers, religious prophets. Let me see. This is going to be too many quotes at one time. Men of God, everybody and their brother standing on a corner. We're claiming to be men of God. Speakers come from God. Uh, a, a wise man once told me, 
He said, there's a lot of people that say they're men of God. And when they heard God's call, I think they just heard a bull beller. And that's what, that's what happened. Same principle right here. Same principle right here. Everybody in the world was saying they were from God. But guess what? Not everybody could do what Paul did in those miracles. And God wanted to separate him out from everybody else and show that this man is truly a man of God. Not just authenticate and confirm who he was, that he was God's man, but what he was saying was God's message. That you need to not just trust Paul, you need to trust that this man, Jesus Christ, is the true Son of God, the Savior of the world, and there's salvation only through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God allowed, and did you notice, did you know, I hope you're picking this up, I hope you're picking this up. Because the confirmation in the verses, I mean chronological order, the confirmation came right after the conflict. Now, I don't know if this means anything to you, but this means a whole lot to me. That God knows when we need encouragement. I'm telling you. God knows when we need encouragement. God knows when the conflict is getting to that point where we need an attaboy. We need a, hey, I'm with you. And right after we see the conflict, we see the confirmation from God in the way of miracles. In the way of miracles. So, number one, we see the commitment ministry. There was a commitment to bold preaching and teaching of the word. Number two, we see conflict in the ministry. That's conflict in all ministry. If it's ministry, if it's authentic ministry, if it's making a dent in the devil's kingdom, the devil's going to fight it, there's going to be conflict. Mark it down. Mark it down. There's going to be conflict. But I'm so glad that there's confirmation in ministry. I'm so glad when God does things that you know only only God can do and only God will do. Let me me give you another illustration. You remember, you remember, you remember when, and, and this is really, this is, this is just God speaking to me right now. It must be just for me because you might not need this. I'm just preaching to myself right now. You just happen to be in on it. But do you remember when, you remember when Thomas was struggling and, 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 and all the rest of the disciples, said, Hey, we saw him, man. We saw him. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's well, I tell you what, I tell you what. I'm not going to believe till I see the wounds in his hands. And I'm not going to believe till I stick my hand in the side. And then you know what happened? The Bible says they met again with Thomas. And guess who showed up? Jesus. And guess who he, <laughs> guess who he, he addressed in the, in the group? Hey, Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Here you go, buddy. Here you go. Stick your hands in there. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. What was he doing? He was helping Thomas with his struggle. Now we we you know we, we give Thomas a, a bad name and we kind of ridicule him and, and he's kind of got the, the nickname over time, old Doubting Thomas. But I wonder how many I wonder how many doubting Steves there's been and, and doubting Malcolms they've been and doubting Dustins they've been and, and how many times that we get discouraged because Things didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out. And, and the conflict got bigger than the, are y'all with me? But right when he needed it, Jesus showed up. And I'm telling you, don't get discouraged. Don't quit because of the conflict. Don't throw in the towel because of the conflict. You just hang in there and God will come right behind it with confirmation to let you know. Now, if he don't come back with confirmation, you might need to decide whether or not you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
But if, if, it's, if you're in God's perfect will, if you're doing what God wants you to do, I promise you this, God will confirm his touch on you and his direction in your life. Now, we see commitment in ministry to the preaching and teaching of the word. We see the conflict in ministry. We see the confirmation and the encouragement there in ministry. Number four, we got to hurry. Woo-hoo, mercy, we got to hurry. Number four, we see there's counterfeits in ministry. <clears throat> there's counterfeits in ministry. I, every time, every time, I don't care where you are, I don't care what state you're in, I don't care what community you're in, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be counterfeits show up. What is a counterfeit? Something that looks like the real thing, but it's not authentic. It's not real. Look what it says. It says in verse 13, well, let's go back, let's go back to verse 12. Let's go back to verse 12 for just a second. What was happening? What was happening in the ministry of Paul? There were diseases getting healed. You see that? You see that in verse number 12? There were diseases departing from them. In other words, people were being healed from diseases. But what else? What else was happening? And and the evil spirits went out of them. So what was Paul had a ministry of divine healing, but he was also casting out devils. He was also casting out devils. And he was preaching and teaching in Jesus' name. Every, listen, every message was about Jesus. Every prayer was in Jesus' name. In ministry, he did it in Jesus' name, in the power of Jesus. Well, guess what? There were some counterfeits. They was watching. They were seeing what Paul was doing. They were seeing the reaction that he was getting in his ministry and what was happening. And guess what? Satan will always throw in the tares with the wheat. Satan will throw in counterfeits. Look what it says. It says, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. See, that shows they didn't know Jesus. They were just using a name that Paul was using. And listen, they didn't have the authority. They didn't have the right. They didn't know Jesus personally. Look what it says. And it says, it says in verse 14, and there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know Paul, I know, but who are ye? And the man leaped in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. What happened? They were counterfeit. They were trying to serve in ministry for their own benefit, probably most likely for their own financial gain. And they were trying to use Jesus to accomplish it. Not knowing Jesus, not serving God, and they failed miserably. God turned it around and turned it on them. Now, what do I want you to write down under this? In the counterfeit in ministry, write these two things down. There will always be counterfeits. There will always be counterfeits in ministry to deceive the sinner. To deceive the sinner. Because somewhere along the line, they will present themselves as angels of light. They'll present themselves as true ministers of God, leading that person to hell the whole time. Not having the true gospel, not having authentic salvation. Counterfeits are in ministry to deceive the sinner. Then B, to divide the saints. To divide the saints. Let me give you a couple of verses and we'll, we'll move along. I don't want to hunker down here because this is, 
Matthew 7, 15 says, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. In other words, inside they have their own agenda. They're, they're, they're out to satisfy their own desires and their own lusts, if you will. But they're going to come in sheep's clothing. They're going to come and look like everybody else. They're going to come and sound real spiritual and look like, oh, anyway, anyway, Acts 20, 28. Take heed, you, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed, uh-oh, look at that. Remember that priority? Remember that priority? To feed the church. What are you feeding the church of God? The Word. The Word. You feed the sheep, the Word of God. It says, I want you to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Matthew 13, 24. Another parable put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which soweth good seed in his field. But while man slept, his enemy came and so tares among the wheat and went his way. Matthew 13, 36, he explains that. Then Jesus said unto the multitudes, or then Jesus sent the multitudes away. And he went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. In every church, there's going to be counterfeits. In every ministry, every authentic ministry. You're going to have people who are committed to Christ. You're going to have people that are sold out. You're going to have people who want to see God's cause go forward and people wonder Christ and the church expanded and the kingdom of God grow. But in the middle of them, you're going to have people who are feigning it. You're going to have people who are fakes. You're going to have people who are counterfeit. They'll say all the right things and they'll have all the right looks, but they have their own agenda. They have their own personal desires and it's all about them. When it's all said and done, it's all about them. They want power. They want Listen, they want people to look upon them. They want all the attention. Diotrephes. We, we see many that are named throughout the New Testament. They want preeminence in the church. And Paul said, be careful because there's going to be counterfeits out there. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Snakes in the grass. Listen, be careful. Be careful. Every ministry, every ministry, especially, especially successful ministries. You'll have people that want to sing to be seen. You'll have people who want to be in a, a spotlight position to get, to get recognition. You'll see, people, you'll see people posting on Facebook to get attention, commenting, commenting. Listen, uh, just, to, just so people will look at their comments. Listen, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Because in every ministry, there's going to be counterfeits that are put there on purpose. You got to get that. On purpose by Satan. To divide the saints. To divide the saints. It's happened countless times. Countless times. And let me, let me just give you this. <clears throat> be careful, especially when you're a baby Christian. Be careful when you're a baby Christian. If you've got, if you've got 
somebody in the church that's trying to turn you against God's man that he has placed there, be very careful. Be very careful. Listen, go, go to God's man first. Go to the preacher, go to the pastor, go to whoever is your, is your leader and address that with them because there's always going to be an Absalom in the gates. And I don't know if you remember the story of Absalom, but Absalom sat in the gates when King David, his father, was up in the palace and he won and he stole the hearts of the people to him. He said, well, if I was the king, this is what I would do. I would care more for it. And what was he doing? He was, he was a wolf in sheep's clothing. He was counterfeit. Listen, be careful. Be careful. Then we see, not only is there counterfeits in ministry, number five, we got two more, real quick, two more. We're almost done, two more. We see there's conviction in ministry. Not only are there counterfeits in ministry, and by the way, God will take care of them counterfeits too. You can believe that. Verse 17, this was known. This was known what? What, got, what happened to the counterfeits? It was known. It got out. Verse 17, and this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord was magnified. The name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Look at verse 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious art. In other words, they was in witchcraft and black magic. Uh, 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 uh. They, they were in curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Wow. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Authentic ministry, real ministry, real ministry will always produce real change. Authentic ministry will always produce real change change there there are there are churches and ministries all over this country and i'll just stay in america because they're all over the world but there's all kinds of ministries and it's 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 even more obvious and and prevalent now because most of them are all on social media because that's the only way we can get the word out and, and and stay in contact with our people but I, I have seen so many different varieties of, of, of ministries, services, preaching, teaching, denominations, beliefs, everything you can imagine. And there are a lot of churches or ministries that are popular and they're attractive. And the Bible says that in the last days, people shall heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, they will, they will gather themselves and naturally, uh, uh, naturally be drawn to people who tell them what they want to hear. Tell them what they want to hear. They won't preach about sin and they won't preach about repentance and they won't preach about judgment and the justice and righteousness of God. They won't preach about condemnation and, and, and hell and all of these things, but they'll preach on grace and, and prosperity and God's favor and God's blessing. Now, I'm not against any of that stuff, but it needs to be balanced. It needs to be balanced. You need to preach it all, every bit of it. But there's going to be places that are going to be popular 
Because they can come in and live any way they want to live. They can be whatever they want to be. They can do whatever they want to do and just keep coming in and everything's fine and have their hands held and they're pat, patted on the back. But listen, that's not authentic ministry. Authentic ministry will produce repentance. It will produce a life change. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you are in your church and you are are connected and involved in your church and you can keep on committing adultery, you can keep on lying and stealing and cheating and doing all the things you've been doing and you have no conviction and no heartbreaking over it, no repentance, that is not authentic ministry. Listen, they changed. They were broken. Their hearts, they wanted to be sanctified. They wanted, listen, they wanted to get the garbage out of their life. And so they got all of their occult books and all of their black magic books and they brought them together to burn them and get rid of them. Listen, if your church is not producing change in your life, If you're not changing and becoming more like Christ in your life, you need to find a new church. You need to find somebody that will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. They'll tell you exactly what God's Word says, not their opinion, not what they think, not what they feel. But they can open the Bible and say, this is what God says. Be what God wants you to be. Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. Listen, authentic ministry, real ministry will produce repentance. It will produce godly sorrow. It will produce a change in your life. It will produce a desire to become more like God and be like God. And you'll want to be in God's presence more and more and more and more. Listen, that's authentic ministry. If you're not feeling convicted, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care. I don't care how holy you think you are. It, it, it don't matter how holy you are. If you're not getting your toes stepped on every now and then, you're in the wrong place. You don't need to feel good every time. Sometimes you need to feel uncomfortable. Sometimes you need to wish that preacher would hurry up and be quiet because you just can't stand it no more. That's the kind of preaching we all need. I had a man of God. He's in heaven today. And he told me one time, I'll never forget it. We were sitting in the Waffle House. We're sitting in the Waffle House, and, and he, he, was, he was telling me, he was telling me, and I was, I was asking him questions, and he was just one of my heroes that I'd, I'd watched preaching ever since I was a little bitty kid sitting on the front row, right there, right there on the front row in that corner. And, 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 and he, he said, Malcolm, he said, we all, and, and he put preachers and everybody else, preachers, missionaries, deacons, leaders, what, we all, this is what he said, we all need Hard preaching. He said, we don't need harsh preaching. Mean preaching. In other words, he said, what's the difference? Well, you can preach on hell two different ways. I can listen to two people preach on hell, and I'll think one is trying to keep me from there, and I'll think the other is trying to send me there. That's, that's the best way I can tell you. There's a difference between hard preaching and there's a difference between harsh preaching. We all need gun barrel straight, hard, in your face. This is the way it is. This is the kind of preaching we need. We all do. And if you're not getting that, if, if, you're, not, if you're not feeling a desire to change and be different and quit doing the things you used to do, if you're not a new creature, something's wrong. If all things are not becoming new, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Let me read this verse and we'll pray. 
The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. It says that ye put off concerning the former conversation. Remember the word conversation means behavior. It means the stuff you do, your behavior. Put off, put off the former conversation, the old man, what you used to be, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, watch this, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Preacher, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that authentic ministry will produce a desire in those who are involved in that ministry to be different. To be different. If there's stuff in their life, they'll feel convicted and they want to get that out of their life. Man, they went home. They were under such conviction and they wanted to be right with God and they repented to the point they had godly sorrow and they went and got all that garbage out of their house and brought it and burned it. 50,000 pieces of silver. They didn't care what the cost was. You know, when a person's truly repentant, don't matter, don't matter how severe or how drastic the steps need to be taken to make things right. If a person is truly repentant, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what the cost, it didn't matter what it takes. Whatever I got to do to be right with God, that's what I want to be. That's, that's what I'm talking about. They brought it all and burned it. Say, we're done with this. We don't need this garbage anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. And lastly, one minute and 17 seconds. We're early. One minute. Well, anyway, anyway, lastly, look at the last point. <clears throat> look at the last point. Look what it says in verse 20. What happened when we seen a commitment to preach and teach the word boldly? What happened after we put up and dealt with some conflict? What happened after we experienced a confirmation in ministry? What happened after God dealt with the counterfeits and got them out of the ministry? What happened after there was deep conviction and change and a desire for righteousness and holiness in ministry? Look what happens. Verse 20. We see the conclusion in ministry. The conclusion in ministry. I hope you read this at home with me. Read this at home with me. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You know what needs to be said about this place? Not how many people we feed. Not, not how many people we help economically. Not, not, not how many people we check on. Not how many widows we call. Not how many schools we plant flowers in front of or how many free hamburgers we give out, how many show up to the Easter service. None of that's important. It's good and it's great to serve the community. But do you know what would be the greatest thing that's ever said about Temple Baptist Church? My soul, look at the word of God coming out of that place. That place is spreading God's word more than it, that's what needs to be said. The Bible says in conclusion to this unbelievable, spectacular ministry that Paul had in Ephesus was that the word of God was blowing up and all of Asia was hearing it because of that ministry. Now think about this. 
We're out of time, but let me, I'm going to just tell you anyway. You remember, you remember the seven churches in Asia? In Revelation? Remember that first church? Remember they had an issue? They left their first love. They were working hard. They were not putting up with sin at all. I mean, they were laboring. And what Jesus is telling them, you used to be on fire. You were loving God and loving people and going. See, that was, that was the picture of Ephesus. And see, this is where Paul spent most of his time. And all of these marks, all of these evidences were there in that ministry. 